Bert Lewis here in the new Ames Free Library podcast room with Bill Ames. Thank you very much and stay tuned. This is Bert Lewis here in the new uh, Ames Free Library Quesit House podcast room and I'm with Bill Ames. And we are about to do episode four of the Ames Free Library podcasts. And today, uh, Bill is going to talk about his experience um, during the Vietnam War. Thanks, Bert. It's a pleasure to be on the, your podcast, as usual. It's exciting what's going on here, podcast-wise, mm-hmm. in our Absolutely. new studio. Yeah, so I was um, in, world, in World War, um, no, Vietnam War, <laughs> and uh, I was in ROTC in college. Okay. So I was an Army ROTC at Middlebury College. That's yeah. how it all started. And yeah. uh, those days you did four years of ROTC, and I signed up, and, you know, who knew there was going to be a war? Right. I sort of uh, figured I'd end up in Germany or something. And yeah. That's the Reserve Officer Training Corps. Right. Good okay. question. Yeah. yeah people may people. not be as familiar right. with that exactly. uh, as they were back in the day. So I signed up for the second two-year stint at ROTC. You had The first two were mandatory. The second two were voluntary. Okay. Most of my classmates, or, or six, 50 or 60, signed up for the second two years as well. Right. So that allowed you to become an officer. That's right. Okay. That was the very good news. Yeah. At the end of that very minor amount of suffering, right. marching and all that sort of stuff. The first lieutenant, is that where they started? Second. Second. He started okay. out as a second lieutenant, second. and he went to first lieutenant. Okay. And uh, you got your bars at graduation, after graduation, the ceremony, then all the ROTC people got together and they had a little ceremony and found some one of your girlfriends okay. to come and pin the bars on you. Oh, nice. That was a big uh, nice. big sort of ceremony. Yeah, yeah. And um, so that's that's how it started. And then um, then you go on duty. I was assigned to the intelligence, military intelligence branch of the... Wait, did Army. you get to pick your, your um, area of... Uh yeah, I did. I did. I figured I'd, I'd picked military intelligence because, you know, okay. intelligence is, That's a good is, one. is interesting, yeah. sure. intellectually interesting. Sure. And um, maybe you sit in a chair all day, but what the heck, you okay. know, there are worse fates. Yeah, yeah. Plus, I figured I'd end up in, uh, could easily end up in Germany or someplace that was interesting. So this is before the Vietnam War, or it was going on then? This Correct. is before the Vietnam War. Before the Vietnam War. The real war began. Okay. This is 1964. Okay, right. That was before then. <laughs> okay. So I got, I got um, graduated in June of 66, and then the following April, I was uh, sent to Fort Benning, Georgia, where I spent four months, Yeah, three or four months. And in my platoon was uh, Dick Daly from Southeastern. So oh, he, the attorney. Yeah, he, he yeah. recognized me oh, boy. because uh, my car I had bought from Paul Matrano Chevrolet. Okay, sure. And in the parking lot at Fort Benning, Daly happened yeah. to notice my car was from uh, oh, Paul Matranos. You brought it with you, okay? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he sought me out. So we became good nice. friends. Was this Very considered basic training? This was basic. No, this was basic. Not. I, I suppose it was basic if you're on active duty and an okay. officer. Right, right. But this was the infantry school. We I attended see. what they called the combat platoon leader school. Okay. Because uh, military intelligence people had to work with the infantry. You had to be familiar with infantry tactics. So I, I was trained as an infantry officer. There was no distinction. I see. So we went on operations at night and learned how to read a compass and 
learn how to deal with yeah. uh, enlisted men and you know not embarrass yourself type of thing. What was the rifle? Was it the M2 or the 16? Uh, we had M16s in those days, okay. I believe. I believe we didn't have much training on the mil on the weapons. Okay, it was yeah. figured. Um, you know, you don't limited. Was, you could go to the yeah. range and do it, but there were a lot of bigger things to worry about than how accurate your right, uh, right, your fire was. Oh sure. So we did night patrols and whatever, and so I graduated from there and went to Fort Holabird in Maryland for two weeks, which was my intelligence training. Okay. So basically, it was fam to familiarize myself with the what intelligence did. And at the low level that I was in. Right. And learn the terms and all that sort of stuff. So two weeks okay. is not a whole lot. No, it isn't. So I, um, then I was, I came back to Northeastern after that was over. And I had about a few days to go before I headed off to, uh, to Vietnam. And uh, I'll, t I'll tell a funny story. It's a little bit of a long story. But yeah, I, go I, ahead. I got back up here. And I went up to my grandmother, Ames's, up at, uh, at uh, Limewater House. Sure. And, um. I was there for a few minutes, and we were having some tea or something or whatever. This is in uh, August, early August of um, 67. Okay. So she says to me, would you like to go, let's go visit Cousin Blanche. She'd be interested to talk to you of Oaks and Blanche fame sure. Borderland. Okay. Because Blanche was very interested in military history. She'd written books on it and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. So we drive up there and, and go into the big room at Borderland, the big study, you know, yeah. the... Thing there and yeah. so there's cousin Blanche. Blanche is lying on her daybed. Um, she was pretty old at that time. She must have been in her mid 80s. Okay. In fact, she died within 12 months. But oh boy. Anyhow, so I go <clears throat> in there and there's a little small talk. Uh, me, my grandmother, and Blanche. And soon Blanche asked me. She says, "Now, where are you You're going to Vietnam? I hear." I said, "Yeah, I am. Next next two days from now, I'm heading out." She said, "Now, where are you gonna? Where are you assigned to?" Right. What? What? Where's your army unit? Yeah. And I. Well, I said I'm in the first cavalry division, but I really don't know where I'm assigned to. Right. She said, "Well, she said I'll tell you where you're assigned to." <laughs> and then she looked up over the daybed, and there was this map which I hadn't really noticed, mm -hmm. and it was one of these national, big National Geographic maps yep. of South Vietnam. Yeah. She had pins in it. Okay. And the pin, she said, "See that? See that red pin in the middle there?" Yeah. And I said, yeah, I see that. She said, that's where the 1st Cavalry Base Camp is located. Wow. It's on K. Wow. It was like in World War II, you remember? You know, they oh, had, sure. Like, people yeah. keep maps, and they put pins where they're relative. She was on top of all this at her age. At her age. Wow. She was a, she, they used to discuss at dinner time. George Oaks Plimpton told me or something. Yeah. They did, I mean, she discussed the Battle of Antietam with her children. Wow, that's amazing. The strategies. and I mean, uh, she, they would, wow. and her father had been a general. Yeah. At, oh, in the I didn't Civil know that. War. Yeah, he wow. was a general at uh, Gettysburg and all sorts okay. of stuff. Okay, Antietam. Anyhow, so she tells me this. Yeah. So I'm a little amazed that wow. she knows this. Of course. I mean, I didn't. I'd only met her a few times. Yeah. You know, but yeah. Her reputation preceded her that she was a pretty interesting person. Yeah. Brilliant. So anyway, three days later, there I am in on K, okay. on the airstrip high in the Central Highlands. Just as she said. Just as she said. Looking around, I said. There's wow. the, you know, the artillery's going off and the dust and the yeah. planes are taking yeah. off and all this stuff. Oh, right? wow. And I remember looking around, I said, as you say, that's where Cousin Blanche said I was going to be. But, and amazing. then I said, and my next yeah. thought, Bert, was this is going to be okay. This right. is a good omen. You got this. <laughs> I get it. I got it. This is, good. This is yeah. an okay experience. Okay. 
since I didn't have a wife or children or whatever, you know, right. if you don't make it back, whatever. Sure. But it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. So anyhow. Wow. So that that was, um, you know, that was in the seven years of good harvests type um, signal from above, as far as I was concerned. So how many years were you there, Bill? I was there for one year. One year. Okay. And uh, I was assigned to uh, the Anke area the first, uh, I guess, five months. And I was I did a lot of work for the second of the fifth infantry battalion, which was okay. assigned intelligence to, work. Yeah, assigned to the um, area, and they'd okay. go out in operations and sweep missions and search missions. And yeah, yeah, wow. I'd go along with them. It was all very quiet. I don't think yeah. we got more than we got some harassing fire once in a while. Were you armed during this whole time? Yeah, oh yeah. You always had your okay. weapon, like a sidearm. Well, no, rifle. you had to you had to take a, a rifle. Okay. Had to take a rifle. At all times, yeah. Yeah, so that was pretty interesting. So I do that. So, you know, you get up at 6.30 in the morning, go over where the helicopters are in the infantry, you know, the big helicopters, and everybody get in, and, yeah. you know, they rev up the engines. and Sure. It was never an imminent threat of any great enemy activity. But yeah. it was pretty exciting yeah. for your average, right. you know, frat boy from oh, absolutely. college. To <laughs> suddenly it's amazing, yeah. Suddenly there you were. Yeah, no, it's... Uh it's something to be proud of. Uh, well, I w- I'm very proud of it, but I'm also very fortunate that I got to do some interesting things. And yeah. It turned out okay. But it was really a rush when we come back in the afternoons, you know, after the missions were over, and they'd go roaring along 150 miles an hour, you know. Wow. Yeah. 50 feet off the deck. Wow. You know. Yeah. So That's that amazing. Was, that was a kick. Then the last time, the last, uh, the last half of, the, of my tour there, I was with a Division Ford. When there was the general, when we went to uh, Wei and Quang Tri and Quezon and mm-hmm. then to Ashaw. Yeah. It was during the Tet Offensive. I was there during Tet. Oh, during the Tet. Okay. The, um, the, the main, air, uh, state, main force uh, camp stayed near Wei. And then they detached uh, staff to go with the brigades that went to Quang Tri and the Battle of Quezon. You know, it was just a lot going on without getting into it too deeply. Um, but uh, I also would go to Saigon um, once a month in, in the first six months, and that was pretty good fun. Go to you leave leave uh, from the camp in the mountains, and then head up head down. You know, three or four hours later, you'd be landing at Saigon. And I had friends that were um, in the uh, journalistic business down there. Peter Kahn was a friend of my brother's, was a roommate in college. Okay. And he was the Wall Street Journal's oh, man nice. in Saigon. He had ended up as the publisher of the Wall Street, the oh. whole corporation eventually. But anyway, so he would uh, invite me along to cocktail parties or whatever. Um, I went out to dinner with uh, David Hare, the guy who wrote Dispatches and whatever. But uh, it was great. I mean, you know, it was like there we were in Saigon during the wartime, and we were all 23, 22, 24 years yeah. old. And yeah. It was very stimulating. Um, Saigon was still a bustling city at that time. Yeah, very bustling. Yeah. Very bustling. Yeah, that's great. And uh, so I was very fortunate for that because I had to go down for a, a um, liaison for the intelligence thing. I had see. to talk to MACV, which was the intelligence command at Saigon. And we would talk about, uh, you know, nothing's very important, but... Somebody had to do it. Fortunately, yeah. I got the assignment to wow. go once a month, so I was pretty lucky. Gee, that's great. Yeah, yeah. 
So it was a it was a year of uh, living excitingly um, and occasional danger, but uh, I was honored to be there. And, and yeah, you know, the, that's wonderful. You know, see the combat guys who get out in the ambush patrols, and sure. you just think, oh sure. my God, those guys are heroes. Yeah, no, that's great. That's uh, quite an honor to have uh, gone through and served during that period. Well, okay, Bill. Uh, I think that's wonderful that you were able to share that. Well, thanks, Bert. We hope we get some more uh, vets on here. Yeah. To have a separate track of uh, Eastern veterans. Great, great I, idea. I belong to the American Legion Post. Yeah, uh, me, me too, but I, I haven't made any meetings yet. Oh, is that right? When did you join? A long time. <laughs> Lee Williams. Oh, yeah, Lee uh, Williams, of course. Me. Well, you got me too, but I, I, yeah. I go every once in a while. Do you? Yeah, yeah. I, I should. Yeah. It's a fun night out being a single guy, you know. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to eat alone too often. So. I mean, I was a weekend warrior. So, you know, I'm Yeah, bird over to you. Yeah. yeah. And um I think I mentioned to you I uh there was a draft. I believe it was in the early 70s. Mm -hmm. Um so at the time uh I was not in school. I was sort of in between. I was working full time. I was about to go to college. And uh, it was a ping pong, you know, they put ping pong balls in the, in the in a tube and based on your birthday my number came up as number 48 and the next thing i know i got a uh, uh a letter that i am hereby drafted into the military and i had 30 days to enlist mm. into the regular army or or whatever and uh, i was able to get into the national guard at that time hmm. so i was in the National Guard. I did have to go to basic training. I was in Fort Campbell, Kentucky, home of the um, 101st uh, Airborne Division. Wow. Yeah. So how long was that? Six months? That was six months. And then I went in uh, advanced infantry training in Fort Sill, Oklahoma. AIT. AIT. And uh, I, I was at in uh, the Commonwealth Armory in Boston. Okay. That was the uh, uh, artillery unit. I think Where is the Commonwealth? That's about Boston University, it's right? On well, Boston University owns it now. Okay. But it used to be a, a military uh, installation. It was a, it's a big hall. Sure. And a facility. And uh, so I had to go to, um, after that, I went to the um, Camp Drum in New York once a year. And then, oh, right. And then we had meetings periodically. Uh, so what was your MOS? I mean, were you, you were an infantry guy, right? No, artillery. Artillery. Artillery, you know, the big uh, howitzers. So you learned how to fire the 105? Uh, the, the big ones. The, the both of them. The 155s. I think the 105 was the smaller one. Yeah, that was a field yeah. artillery. Yeah, and then the, the big the big ones. Yeah. I, actually, my title was cannoneer. Cannoneer, That's oh, what yeah. I was, a cannoneer. Yeah, yeah. Cannon cocker, as they yeah, used to call exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. But uh, so that was that, and uh, I made it through, and... Uh, and that's our experience, Bill. Sure. Well, my uh, I could tell you a funny story about yeah. about uh, artillery. When I was at Fort Devens, sure. that's where we used to go in summer camp. Oh, sure, Fort Devens. We had um, I, I was a I, I witnessed the last artillery demonstration at Fort Devens, and I'll tell you. Oh, why they'd that. fire there. Wow. Yeah, they had a range. Okay. You know, it's, it's a pretty big place. We went down to Fort uh, Otis Otis Air Otis, Force Base oh, yeah. down the Cape. Yeah, I always wanted to go to Otis just to check yeah. and see it. I think it's still there. Oh yeah. But anyhow, so it was funny. So there we were. It was like 3 in the afternoon, 1 July, yeah. 1963, we're talking 4. Yeah. And um, so we're in the stands, and the, the, the training instructor's 
talk, telling us about how they sight in artillery, and we had all our little calculators and yeah. the asthma, you know, all this sort of stuff. The deflection and all this. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, the, and there was a big old truck about 100, 200 yards in front of us, which is what they were aiming at. Yeah. Yeah, and so they and they were way down to our left. They were probably a quarter of a mile down the way with their one hundred five sure. or one five five. So yeah. they were going to try to hit the um, the truck. Truck that was the target. Yeah, that was a truck. It was all wrecked yeah. anyway. Yeah. So they fire. So we go through the demonstration, and then they fire a few rounds long or something. And yeah, yeah. So the instructor says, "Now let's let's recalculate." And so we all get our recalculate. So anyhow, this goes on for a while. Then they say. So then it's about to be over. <laughs> and then they, they say, okay, we're going to do three more rounds based on the calculations we just did. And, you know, the guys at the artillery thing, they hear this, and they go, and so you hear this, and go, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, it was loud. But the problem is they didn't land. There was no explosion. Everybody was waiting to see them land around. The shell never made it out of the tube? Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what happened. So everybody's like, where, 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 why, why haven't these <laughs> shells landed? That's funny. So it turns out the next morning we heard that they landed in downtown Air, Massachusetts. One no blue, kidding. One landed in the backyard of a house. Nobody was killed. Wow. Backyard of a house and blew the laundry off a thing. Another wrecked a Dodge sedan in downtown Air. Oh, my goodness. Can you believe that? That's and not good. That was the last <laughs> down artillery That was the last time. Yeah. <laughs> How can you? Wow. Uh, so they pack powder in those things, right? Isn't yeah. It? Oh, yeah. So they obviously pack too much powder. But, I mean, how? I can't believe they well, can screw that up. There's these calculations they do. One of them is deflection. As I, I forget the, the terminology. But they, it's coordinates that they set. Mm -hmm. And then it's just a matter of uh, once they put the coordinates in, that's where they, they've calculated that it's going to land. So, obviously, they didn't do it correctly. So, they put a sight at it too high, and it just kept right. on going. Wow. I'm surprised. Did that make the news? I mean, that's a big thing. Oh, it was in the newspaper. Yeah, Somebody course. brought in the newspaper. Of course, <laughs> yeah. So, that, that's, a, yeah. that's not one of the great uh, adventures of world time, but to be part of the last demonstration at Fort Yeah, Davis that's great. A memorable experience. All right, Bill. I think we'll wrap up uh, episode four here. Good, Bert. Well, um, I look forward to getting more... Um, Legion, guys from the Legion Post. Yeah, great idea, and we'll uh, make that happen. All right, Bill, uh, thank you very much, and I'll talk to you later. Well, thank you, Bert. Over and out. Okay.